everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome you back to another episode of Teen Titan Wasteland. I hope everything's going well for you this week. It's been a long week for me. I've put in a lot of extra hours at work, and I'm feeling a little loopy from it, so I apologize if that bleeds over into this broadcast. But I do have some big news. The biggest news. You people got out there and you rocked the vote and made your voices heard on the most important issue facing the nation at this time. I'm talking, of course, about the collective noun for a group of octopuses. Now, many of you made suggestions as to what you thought that should be, and we did some online voting on Twitter, and we now have a definitive conclusion. I'm going to notify Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. That makes it sound like it's one person named Merriam-Webster wonder if that's the case. I don't. I know it isn't. Anyway, I'm going to first note the top suggestions. Jeff Polier wrote in that it should be a wiggle of octopuses. Jay from Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men submitted armory of octopuses. Will Camillo suggested a lollygag of octopuses. Former guest co-host Lee Marble suggested a geometry of octopuses. My beautiful and talented wife, Lisa, suggested that it be a brain trust of octopuses. And, of course, the correct answer, which I submitted, was that it should be called a defenestration of octopuses. Well, the people have spoken, and, as is often the case, democracy has failed us. But, I am a man of the people, and the new collective noun for a group of octopuses, which will soon be in all of your finer dictionaries, is brain trust of octopuses. Now, 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 I know you're upset. You think it should be a defenestration of octopuses. I agree with you, but the people have spoken erroneously, but definitively. So a brief note about why brain trust isn't a bad choice. I mean, it is the wrong one because it's not defenestration, but it's not a bad choice because octopuses, that raddest of creature, do have sub-brains located in each of their arms that connect to the larger nervous system. And they do have the biggest brain of any invertebrate, which is not saying a ton, but when you add up all of the sub-brains to the main brain, there's a lot of brains going on. They're smart as hell. If they had childhood, they would have developed SCOBA, self-contained overland breathing apparatuses, and dominated us all. But fortunately for us, each octopus is abandoned as a child, and so has to figure out everything on its own. So there can be no cumulative knowledge gained from generation one generation to the next, which sucks for them, but in a certain sense, thank goodness for that. So the other thing that's been going on this week is I've been reading a rad book that's about the history of pro wrestling, and one of the things that I unearthed in that is that at one point, Terry Bam Bam Gordy of the fabulous Thunderbirds teamed up with Dr. Death in the New Japan Pro Wrestling League, and they wrestled under the name The Miracle Violence Connection, which is the best fucking name ever. So, I don't have the talent, the time, or the inclination to start a new band right now, but if anybody out there is looking for a band name, Miracle Violence Connection. Now, obviously, I want in on this, but as I said, I don't feel like putting in the work right now. So, If you start a band and call it the Miracle Violence Connection, one of your members needs to wear a mask and you need to strongly imply that it is me. I think that's fair. Thank you. Anyway, 
Let's get on with the episode. This is the final appearance of the Teen Titans in a book before they are repackaged as the new Teen Titans. So, dang, it is the penultimate episode of our Teen Titans Wasteland series before we repackage. So, without any further ado, let's ado this. The Miracle Violence Connection really popped their drop kicks, so listen up close for the top synopsis. The Brave and the Bold, number 149, April 1979. Written by Bob Haney, drotted by Jim Aparo. Look homeward, runaway. Teen Titan Roll Call, Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, Speedy, Robin. The Teen Titans have been retired for a little over a year when Batman phones them up and tells them to unretire because Gotham is facing its worst crime wave in history. The teens are like, sure thing, Batman, which makes sense. After all, the guy did buy them a nightclub. Plus, retirement for superheroes usually lasts about as long as it does for pro wrestlers. Speedy, Robin, Kid Flash, and Wonder Girl head to the Batcave so the Dark Knight can fill them in on the dire menace facing Gotham. What cataclysm could be so grave a threat that the guy who's been single-handedly defending Gotham for years needs to call in for help? An alien invasion? Another nuclear bomb? Calendar Man planning some kind of Arbor Day-related tree theft? Nope. It's a gang of teenage pickpockets. Oh, shit. What, did one of them ask for a second helping of gruel? Batman informs the Titans that a group of teenage runaways, who are, imaginatively enough, called the Runaways, no relation, have been terrorizing the town, stealing cars, mugging people, and yes, picking pockets. Bats was able to nab one of the gang's lieutenants, a young car thief named Fast Eddie Blaine, but Eddie refused to turn on the Fagin for these delinquent street urchins, a shadowy figure known only as The Man. Eddie would only say that the man loved his runaways and would bust him out of jail in no time. That's when Batman decided he was in over his head and called in for some teenage assistance. The Titans decide to send Wonder Girl and Kid Flash undercover while Speedy and Robin stay in costume and monitor things from the outside. With the help of a disguised policewoman, the undercover Titans stage a mugging. After apparently making off with an old lady's purse, the titanic twosome are confronted by the runaways, led by Fast Eddie's replacement, a young thug named Tiger Turk. That's a cool name. They introduced themselves as Wally and Donna, two runaway teens from the Midwest. Darn. I was really hoping they'd go as Paradise Baby and Feet, like when they were undercover hippies. That was fun. The gang takes them to its headquarters, the penthouse of a fancy 40-story apartment building. Pretty swanky. I mean, it's no secret discotheque headquarters on Long Island, but still, not bad. Over an intercom, the mysterious The Man welcomes Wally and Donna to the gang. Then he orders that they be shot. Snap. The runaways whip out guns and shoot Wally and Donna. Well, guess that wraps things up. Bummer. Oh, wait. It turns out the guns were loaded with blanks. It was just an initiation prank. The old, I'm going to murder you for no reason prank. Good one, guys. I hear George Clooney does that one on movie sets all the time. <laughs> what a kidder. Having passed their initiation by, I don't know, not trying to not get shot, I guess, Wally and Donna go on to earn the gang's trust by picking some pockets. I mean, you gotta pick a pocket or two. Batman notices that Tiger Turk is shadowing Wally and Donna as they Oliver around Gotham, so he stages a fight with them and lets them kick his ass. Once he sees the two Midwestern runaway teenagers kick Batman's ass, Turk no longer finds anything about them suspicious. Good thinking, Turk. Once Turk takes off, Wally and Donna head to the Batcave to fill Batman in on the situation. Donna displays a previously unknown talent to perfectly mimic any voice she has ever heard. Huh. That seems like the sort of thing that might have come up before. Or since. But, nope. Maybe it's one of those single-use-only powers. 
Oh, or maybe Bob Haney wrote this issue. Anyway, Donna's uncanny and inexplicable power reveals that the voice of the man is... Commissioner Gordon. I knew it. I never trusted that guy. Actually, it seems the man has been lifting Gordon's voice from press conferences and has been editing it together on the fly to create his broadcast to his underlings. Huh. Couple of things about that. First of all, that is some impressive editing, especially using pre-digital sound equipment. Secondly, that means Commissioner Gordon has used the words punk, brats, baby, kill them, love, Turk, and Wally in his press conferences. Gotham's a weird town. Soon thereafter, Batman gets a call from the real Commissioner Gordon. Or is it? Nah, totally is the real Commissioner Gordon. I was just fucking with you. Or was I? Yes, I was. Turns out Fast Eddie has escaped from jail and sworn vengeance on the man for abandoning him. Good to know. At this point, things start escalating pretty quickly. Robin tracks down Turk, beats him up, kidnaps him, and ties him to a chair in the Batcave. So much for due process. Wally tells the runaways that he thinks the man shot Turk and has been ripping off the runaways for a higher percentage of the loot. The man denies these charges over his intercom and says he'll come over to the HQ to clear things up in person. Later that evening, the mysterious, the man, finally shows up at the penthouse. Sort of. Hiding behind a curtain, he reveals that he knows Robin and Speedy are behind Turk's disappearance and surmises that Donna and Wally are titans as well. With his cover blown, Wally uses his super speed to pull the curtain down, revealing that the mastermind behind the runaways is... Batman! I knew it! I never trusted that guy. Actually, it's someone wearing a Batman costume, which is really a pretty good idea. I'm kind of surprised more criminals in Gotham don't do that. Wally's taken aback for a moment, and the counterfeit caped crusader takes advantage by bonking him on the head with a blackjack and running away. The real Batman shows up and gives chase, but is beaten to the punch by none other than Fast Eddie. The disillusioned former runaway confronts his old boss, pulls a gun on him, and shoots him in the head. Damn. Fortunately, I guess, the bullet only grazes his skull, knocking him out, but causing little lasting damage. You know, like usually happens when you shoot someone in the head from a few feet away. The real Batman unmasks the fake Batman, revealing him to be... Some guy we've never seen before. A slumlord with the objectively awesome name Max Cash. I knew it. I never trusted that guy. Max and Eddie are carted off to jail. Hooray! The Titans go back to being retired. Probably forever this time. Guess we'll never see any of them again. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How did the babysitting in Atlantis go? Fine. Glad to have you back. No, uh, not too many scrapes that little Aqua baby got you into? Nope. He's, uh, he's a regular, uh, he's fine. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> so, what'd you think? This was fun. I had a I, good time. I, I liked it. seeing the Dark Knight yeah. make an appearance. Yeah, nice to see Haney back. Oh. That's, I, I keep mm. forgetting you weren't with us for the last episode. I really like Bob Haney's version of Batman. It's, it doesn't come out quite as strong in this issue as it did in the last one, which was written in, like, 72 mm-hmm. that we did last week. But it's kind of fun that it's the same creative team. It's Jim Aparo on the art and Bob Haney writing. And I like that Bob Haney's Batman is a Batman who goes out during the day and just kind of struts around. Mm-hmm. And I like that he... Maybe it's me reading too much into it, 
but I feel like he's concerned with seeming cool to teenagers. Mm. Like, there were a couple of his lines where I was just like, I don't think Batman really talks like that. I think he's trying to impress these teenagers he's hanging out with. I think the line that was like, I had hitched a ride on a hot caddy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. It was a fun issue. I thought it had a lot going on in it. Yeah, not too weighty. It's weird because it seems like a very significant issue in that it is, as far as I know, the last Teen Titans thing that Bob Haney wrote and really the last appearance of the Teen Titans as we know them before mm. they're retooled a couple years later as the new Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just kind of a one-off story, but a pretty fun one. It was good. Although I think there was uh, somebody you probably missed a little bit. I did! What the fuck, dude? We'll talk about where he's at later, but... Why not have Aqualad in here? Especially, it builds on the cover of the issue. At last, the Fab Foursome is back together again. Mm -hmm. This Fab Foursome was together for what? All of one issue before they were joined by Hawk and Dove, if that? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a group of Titans that, yeah, they were kind of together, but never really as just a quattro. And as a fivesome... It's why not just say the fabulous fivesome is back again and have Aqualad do some shit? Yeah, well, I guess he or fucking Mal or Lilith. Ah. I was not surprised not to see him. It seems like he gets short shrift through a lot of this run. I completely agree with that, but I was still dismayed, mm. and especially the at last the fab foursome is back together again. Yes, I'm happy to see these Titans back together again, but. Come on. We did learn about a new power, to me anyway, a new power of Wonder Girls, which is that she can creepily mimic the voice of anybody she hears. Yeah, um, I believe the creepily is your own interjection into that. I think anybody that can do that is kind of creepy, and I think the reason that I think that is maybe it's from because watching... because you've always been afraid of Michael Winslow. It's No, he's great, uh, but contemporary to the Police Academy franchise is viewing as a young person the Terminator movie. Oh, okay. Okay, I get you. Yeah, when he does the... If he can perfectly mimic anyone's voice ever, why... Okay, this is... I've always been able to willingly suspend my disbelief for this, but it has also always bothered me that a perfectly engineered machine from the future who is capable of perfectly mimicking anyone's voice would speak... English with a thick German accent. <laughs> uh, Austrian? German? Austrian. I'm sorry. Um, but, come on. How did we, <laughs> as a society, just agree to <laughs> suspend our judgment of the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger is a terrible, terrible actor and just let him be in movies? There are some things that it works for, like when he's kind of a hulking brute, like a Terminator. Okay. Although really that does bother me. They could have just overdubbed it with a, or like done a robot voice or something. Commando? Yeah. He's a terrible actor in Commando. Anytime it calls for any kind of a pathos, like his, or when he tries to do comedy. Oh my God. I mean, it's hilarious, but not in the way he's trying to. It's just like, mm. oh, look at this individual. Try to speak like it's a human being. Twins. 
Twins bother me very, very... You're I, just egging me on. I am, actually. Because he kept saying, <laughs> we're not identical. And we've been but, through, we've actually yes. been into this on I, the podcast before. They were identical twins. <laughs> they were. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, so that's why it's creepy. <laughs> Fair enough. It also would have been very easy to, as, as near as I can tell... This is the first appearance of her having that that power, and maybe her only appearance of her having that power. It also would have been so easy to explain away because we are do find out that later she was wearing a transistor radio and a brooch the whole time. Mm-hmm. They could have gotten the voice that way, or they could have just said like, "So, give us that tape recorder you were carrying." Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. and the whole red herring of Commissioner Gordon's voice—it was kind of fun. It is a needlessly complicated scheme, which. What? I know. From Bob Haney? <laughs> How can this be? I did like, too, that the lead bad guy dressed up as the Batman. I feel like probably everybody in the DC Universe... I don't understand why all criminals don't do this in the DC Universe. It's great. Always dress up like Batman yeah. if you're going to do something. People, at least you're going to get the element of just like, wait, what? Is, and then you can he... do some shit. Yeah, I like. I really don't know how everybody doesn't do that. It's yeah, fun. it's a great plan. I did like the fact, too, that at the end, the, the big reveal of who the criminal is, mm-hmm. is a guy who has never appeared in the comic book before. He's a slumlord named Max Cash, who the people in the comic book recognize. But all we know is that he's like, it, it says that his slumlord practices are part of what broke up the families that led to the runaways being the runaways. I like that as a little bit of social commentary. But I also like the idea of, oh, this villain, it's some guy. I know that was originally supposed to be the big reveal of the Green Goblin uh, in the original Spider-Man run. That was what Steve Ditko was really pushing for. Mm. He's like, no, that's the way crime works. Like, we'll have this big build-up as to who the reveal of this arch-criminal is. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it's just some guy. And Mm -hmm. then Stanley was like, nah, it's more dramatic if we make it somebody he knows. Which, Mm. it is more dramatic. But I like every once in a while you throw in a like, oh, it's just some dude mm-hmm. that's that's the way crime works man mm-hmm. it's fucked up yeah i don't really know how crime that works, how crime works? <laughs> yeah you know who knows how crime works batman tiger turk oh awesome alliteration name Bad yeah cool. uh, i would Mesh love shirt. to see more from he looks almost exactly like the one of the good guys from the last issue you which, again, you didn't read, but uh, there's a character named Needles that's in that. Ooh. That's part of a group of righteous hippies called the Young Aquarians. And he wears a t-shirt that says, reality is the greatest high. Ooh. Which is pretty cool. Huh. Speaking of great t-shirts, shall we move on to our brief sartorially speaking segment, Corey? Oh, yes, let's. What'd you think of Wonder Girl's uh, undercover outfit? What did her shirt say? Hands off, I'm mine. Okay, I, I tried on a few panels, but I started to get uncomfortable. Like, oh, I shouldn't be staring this closely trying to read the letters on her shirt. I feel like I've gotten in trouble for this in the past, and it's not cool. It is difficult when, when you are trying to actually read the letters on a t-shirt. It, yeah, it, especially if it's like a difficult font. Mm-hmm. Very, very difficult. Different sizes. Yeah. Not yeah. on a flat surface. That, that is often the case. It was a yeah. good look, though. Yeah, Lisa and I the other day were going out somewhere, and there were all of these signs up for a festival that they are doing called Flicks in the Park. 
if you are writing the word flicks, you have to be very careful about your font choice. Mm -hmm. Because it really looked like it said fucks in the park. Mm. And I was like, oh, they're making flyers for that now. Mm. I should go to the park more. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite bad font signage is those um, Jackson's convenience stores that are part of... That look like like it says Jackson 5? No, no, no. This is like uh, the one that's on um, like Stark and 39th at the gas station. And it looks like it says Jack Ons. (laughs) Which, I don't know what that would mean, but... It's, it's the opposite of jack-offs. Yeah, it's just like... Ugh. So, like, what like if it? you were calling somebody a jack-on, would that mean, like, they're a righteous dude? <laughs> or just, like, you know... Yeah. Like, why, what would they sell there? Why would I want to go to that store? <laughs> I don't know. I don't either. But it cracks me up every time I drop by. I'm like, jack-ons. Because <laughs> the S looks kind of like a, a slash. Like, like a lightning bolt, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> jack-ons. <laughs> Oh man! I thought I had a friend who had a Jackson's lighter for a long time, and I thought it was a Jackson Five lighter, and I was like, "That's really cool." Oh, maybe it's a different store, or maybe they just changed their font. Maybe like too many confused people coming here. Yeah, being like, "How do I stop masturbating?" <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> is that like a scared straight straight program for people Jack who masturbate? You call for our free pamphlet. Oh my goodness! I wonder if there is like a reverend. Who is just like, like those awful dudes who like claim that they can cure homosexuality. <laughs> like, oh man. Come down to Jack Ons. I understand I used to be a sinner myself. And then you find out later that guy is constantly masturbating. <laughs> like while he's recording this. The, the he actually never stops. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's medically impossible, but he does it. Oh. Oh, where did we got off topic? Uh, what was your favorite T-shirt? T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked Wonder Wonder Girl's hands-off I'm mine t-shirt. Mm. I uh, I think it has a great message, but I did notice her undercover character. I was trying to figure out if it was supposed to be just like supposed to be close to her own character or if she was like, oh, if I was a runaway delinquent, I'd probably be a real feminist. Like, because mm. that like having the hands-on, hands-off I'm mine t-shirt on and as she is punching up Batman, she, she calls him a chauvinist. stupid male chauvinist. Yeah. I, I was wondering what the statement was supposed to be in that. Like, if it was a ridiculing of feminism and trying to say that it is something that is embraced only by, like, juvenile delinquents. Or if it was just like, eh, that's what she really thinks. So we'll just let her. That's how she makes the character her own. Like, if you have a fake ID, you try to make it have your same birthday so you don't get tripped up. Mm-hmm. Or you're a big trucker. I wasn't a big trucker. I could drive a school bus. Oh, is that it? Yeah. I had a fake ID when I was a teenager that said my name was James B. Slade and I was licensed to drive a school bus. And was the B for big? <laughs> big Jim Slade? It was. Recursive. Yeah, it was from a Kentucky Fried movie. Oh, of course it was. Yes, yeah, Big Jim Slade. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. I could go either way. There's not evidence, I think, to point one direction or the other too There strongly. is. I mean, certainly earlier in the 70s... Wonder Girl was more embracing of feminist ideals, I believe. So I, I I choose to interpret it that way, although it is kind of a gray area. There are a few little touches that I liked too. The apartment building, the fancy penthouse that all of the all the evil gang of runaways stayed at, mm-hmm. was called the Levitt's Arms Apartments. Mm-hmm. The editor of this issue is Paul Levitz, oh. who is a writer who is, again, generally a good writer, although... He did write 
the first issue he co-wrote that with Rosakis of the reboot with that had the terrible art that that, that was, was not good. That was not good, and I think he did it. He specifically did a bad job with that. But I like the little nod to him mm-hmm. there, or possibly slam of him. I'm not sure which way that was going either, really. Uh, Tiger Jerk shirt was pretty rad, just because it was mesh. I couldn't figure out if it was mesh or if it was like an orange shirt with a bunch of little diamonds all over it. Because the shirt was in a different color than his face. What? Tiger Turk shirt. I know I know who Tiger Turk is, and I know he had a shirt. Well, the question is, is it a mesh shirt, or is it a orange shirt with sequins all over it? Oh. Well, he's wearing a... What are you talking? Oh. He's got a vest, but his shirt... Well, I think the, the mesh is doing shading on his chest, and that's why it's a different color. I think it's just a mesh shirt. Oh. Well, either way. Either way. Great look. look. Yeah, great look. <laughs> so do you think Bob Haney knew that The Runaways was a band? Uh, At the beginning, there's like a brief aside about it. If he didn't, somebody told him and then he had to put in a little panel to be like, yeah, I knew that. I am pretty sure that's what the case was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because The Runaways were established band by this point and had already broken up at this point, actually. It was like two years after they broke up, which is pretty relevant for a DC comic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I very much get the impression that after he had turned in the script, somebody was just like, uh, you know that's a punk band, right? He's like, oh, I'll put in a little quip about that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that the back computer still uses punch cards. Did you notice that? I did notice that. I really enjoyed that. Was that still something that was happening with computers at that point? In the... 79. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it's, I know it's before the per- personal computer revolution. Yeah, no, I remember seeing punch cards when I was a, a kid still. Really? So that would have probably been even up into the That's you're, you're a little bit older than me. I never remember seeing a punch card for a computer. Mm. Ever. Maybe you just traveled in more crime-fighty circles than me. Maybe. I mean, I was like five when this came out, so. Yeah, you were probably hanging out with a lot of crime fighters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, I was impressionable. Yeah. I think it's kind of weird that, uh... Tiger Turk, when he sees two kids beating a snot out of Batman, he's just like, yeah, cool. I guess they're pretty tough. Like, I get the impression like Batman's like, I mean, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school that Batman's pretty hot shit, right? Like, yeah, no, he took that pretty He, he was stride. like very just like, oh, nice. He's like, yeah, I could probably take Batman if I wanted to. This is like part of Batman's deal, right? Is that criminals are supposed to be freaked out by him because yeah. he just swoops out of nowhere and does bad shit to people. Yeah, and he's dressed like a bat. He's a fucking psychopath. Yeah. It, that's what I love about Bob Haney's Batman. Just like strolling down the street in the middle of the day looking at young ladies and saying, mmm, delicious. <laughs> you showed me that panel from <laughs> the last issue. That's Yeah, yeah. but like more than just him perving on young ladies, which... Yes, it is creepy. I still would maintain that it's probably the least creepy manifestation of Batman, Mm. (laughs) despite that. Uh, Just because he's intrinsically a very creepy character. I like the idea of him just being like, yeah, I'm going to put on this bat suit and go run some errands. Just put her around town a little bit. You know, it's a nice day. Go for a walk in the Batman outfit. Why not? But maybe it's it's things like that that leads to Turk being like, yeah, probably two teenagers can take care of him. Yeah. And I like that that Turk also calls him, ooh, the great bat slob. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's a good zing. Yeah, that's a Mad Magazine level zinger. Mm, yeah. Like, I, it's this close. Like, really? I bet he did use that as a submission 
for Mad Magazine. Like maybe that's why he ran away from home. I'm giving I'm giving Tiger Turk a little backstory here. Oh, okay. Tiger he, Turk. Yeah. He kept he kept writing into Mad Magazine and sending them his submissions and like he's like, wait till they get a load of this. I'm gonna do a parody of Batman mm-hmm. called Bat Slob. Mm-hmm. And I think they kept sending him rejection letters because obviously it would be called Black Man. Oh. And they're like, sorry, we're doing Black Man. He just, this, this Tiger Turk guy, he just doesn't get it. Oh. He doesn't get what we're about at Mad Magazine. What we're about is substituting the word black in pretty much everything. I didn't realize Mad took um, submissions. Well, yeah. Here, I'll give you my audition reel. Give me a movie, I'll do a parody of it. Um, any movie? Yeah. Um, any movie that you would like to do a parody of, I am going to go with Escape from New York. The Black first... Escape from New Black. Uh, Boom! Oh. Slam dunk. I see where you're Slam going. Slam dunk. All right. Fine. Now, okay. There's no need to do any more. <laughs> That's right, because I'm dunked in your face so fucking hard. You got posterized, Corey. Uh, you had no D for that. Okay. Oh, it was like an all-star game. That kind of level of defense. None. Black escape from new black. Perfect. Good job. Perfect. Got it. <laughs> I wasn't trying to stump you. Yeah, well, you did. Good, good thing. It's well, I mean, kind of impossible because all you need to do is change one word to black. You know what? It's not as easy as it sounds. Okay, give me one. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that Batman said that really cracked me up is when he sends the Teen Titans undercover. Which, all right, the fact that they only sent Wally and Donna undercover. Mm-hmm. Their rationale behind that... No need for costumes, for superpowers. Yeah, but Speedy and Robin are worthless without their costumes because they're costume-based heroes. Mm-hmm. Those guys go undercover all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just kind of inconsistent. They, they, they love to wear masks. Mm-hmm. Like, masks on masks is his fucking jam. Mm-hmm. That, so that seemed a little bit weird. But I also loved Batman's rationale that... That's one disguise even I can't pull off. Which implies that he has tried. <laughs> Passes a teenager. Yes. And teenager I love the running. idea of Batman trying to pass, go undercover as a teenager. And just being like, hey, cool guys, what are we doing this afternoon? I've got a hot caddy over here. Do you want to go do drugs in it? Yeah, he would probably do a bad job. Yeah. I, it, it's, I picture him going undercover being kind of like... One of the guys from Dragnet trying to go undercover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, you squares. Do you want to rough up the establishment? Is that what you're into? Huh? Yeah, yeah, I could see. You want to go see. get hopped up on goofballs with me? Yep. Who's Who has the drugs that I, bat? I mean, not bat, I mean, a teenager can buy. And he's also got that, you know, coming from extreme privilege. Like, sure, he's probably studied media yeah, movies and comics and radio and whatnot. But right. it's going to be hard for him to wash the the fancy out of his. Yeah, and I bet he totally overcompensates when he tries. I really would love to see. Uh... What are you guys doing? <laughs> Where the drugs? Uh... So wait, wait, wait. Your interpretation of Batman going undercover as a teenager is that he thinks the way to infiltrate their society just is like... as an Italian ghost. Channeling, uh... <laughs> uh, uh guys, oh, ah, 
lover. I made a ghost noise the other day. <laughs> trying to, uh, what were you trying to do? I can't even remember, but I was like, yeah, like somebody sitting there like trying to be a scary ghost. Like, woo. And uh, apparently ghost noises along with accents are not something I'm I think that. you just did a fine ghost noise. Oh, thanks, man. What did it come out with when you tried to do it before? It was kind of the same. It just wasn't very scary. Who, who wasn't scared? Just everybody that was around me. Friends. So-called. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. All right, so we have different opinions on uh, what a Batman trying so, to hang out with teenage criminals sounds like. When you're in an environment where, like when you're at like a sporting event or something, Okay. And everybody says boo because uh-huh. they don't like somebody. Mm-hmm. Do you think part of the reason that people boo things when they don't like them is because they're also a little like they're like this will hurt his feelings and also he'll scary. maybe be kind of scared because he thinks there's a ghost or lots of ghosts? No, but it's possible. <sighs> kind of like that one time when when I had the hiccups and you I was driving and you tried to scare me, but you were fake trying to scare me, but it still scared the shit out of me. Do you remember that? Well, there is something very unsettling about somebody very earnestly saying, Ooga booga at you. I almost crashed the car. Huh? <laughs> Which was scary. It was for everybody. I don't think it cured your hiccups, though. No, that doesn't work. Uh, that's too bad. Yep. I'm going to keep trying. There was an elderly policewoman. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm talking about when Donna and Wally first decide they need to get into the graces of the gang. And they push down an old lady and take her purse. But then... She's a cop? Yeah. You thought they were actually just pushing down an old lady? Is is it any worse if she's a non-cop old lady? Yes. I'm assuming the policewoman was in on the deal. Wait. The old lady they pushed down was a policewoman? Yes, they explicitly said it. Oh, shit. I you thought, I just thought you they, thought they were just like deep cover. They're just like, well, this is the only way to get into the game. Well, yeah, because afterwards they're like, you didn't do that too hard, did you? And it's like, no, Yeah, they said that's where they said she was a policewoman. Oh, shit. <laughs> Corey. I'm sorry. I did a bad job reading. You really thought that was some straight up, well, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. If we want to take down this game, we're going to have to rough up an elderly woman. Yep. Oh, yeah, policewoman. Oops. <laughs> Now, do you think that was an actual elderly policewoman, or was it a w- policewoman in old face? <laughs> uh, also, is old face a thing? I and is it offensive? <laughs> I. It sounds weird saying it like that. I think they called it old age makeup. I call it old face, and I think it's offensive. Fair enough. I. She looks pretty old. I don't think that's old face makeup. Well, you know how good masks are in the DCU. Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, it's, just, it's probably just like some young. Do cop. you think it's Lady Cop? Probably not. It's probably Lady Cop. Oh, Lady from Lady Cop from the comic. <sighs> Lady Maybe. Cop is with. Oh man, Skateman's getting up there, but I think Lady Cop might be my favorite comic book ever. Every time I find an, an issue of Lady Cop, it's first issue special number four by DC Comics. It features. It's a crazy science fiction story where there's much like, you know, Batman's an alien from space. Wait, no, he's not. Much like Superman. (laughs) I am very tired. Much like Superman's an alien from space and Green Lantern finds a magic ring that gives him powers. Lady Cop is a young lady who is also a cop. What? 
I know. How can it be? Which is it? It's like, who's can the boss all over again? Oh, man. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I still haven't gotten to the bottom of that one. Who <laughs> is the boss? I mean, she's employing Tony Danza, but she's he's a male. So who's the boss? That's very true. I mean, on the one hand, she is his employer and signs his paychecks. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand... He's a male and she's a female. So he's right back to square one. Who's the boss? Yeah, don't think don't think it too hard, man. God, what a stupid name for a show. Lady Cop is fucking great though. Yep. <laughs> if you ever see me, give me a copy of Lady Cop. And then I'll I'll pass it on. Or you know what? Give someone else a copy of Lady Cop. Because that's why I keep getting them, is so that I can redistribute them. Like a demented Johnny Appleseed. Planting the knowledge of Lady Cop throughout the land. Good job, buddy. Thanks. I do my best. So, Boy. what was your favorite dialogue? Oh, man. Uh, there were some interesting things said in this issue. Yes. I think one of my favorites is any time somebody else uses the word boob as an insult. Yeah. And uh, I think it's Commissioner G... Says, uh, hey, Commissioner Gordon's response. So, release her, you boob. Yeah, it's his whole speech. Let's read his whole speech. Commissioner Gordon's on the phone with the police officer who has called in and Robin's request and said that they shouldn't arrest Donna for her getting caught pickpocketing as she was trying to gain initiation into the gang. Commissioner Gordon's response. It's so over the top. Like, this is not a good boss. Like, this guy didn't do anything wrong. He's like, I saw this person take a a wallet. I'm going to arrest them. Robin's like, no, you shouldn't arrest him. It's, trust me, it'll be chill. Call your boss. And his boss says, yes, yes, Batman's playing vigilante again. Besides, you couldn't curl the girl anyway. No evidence, no case. Release her, you boob. Mm -hmm. That's fucking harsh. The dude's just trying to do his job. Yep. Bob Haney's version of Commissioner Gordon's kind of a dick. He's very reactionary, very, like, police state, very authoritative, and is kind of okay with, like, police brutality and stuff. Speaking of police states and, and law enforcement and stuff, there is a bit of dialogue in here that I want to get to also, which is which is Batman's kind of musing on the idea of the panopticon, I, th- I think, which I found to be, which I think is my favorite bit of dialogue, even okay. though it's not actually dialogue, it's kind of an inset, like him thinking as he's driving around in his... His uh, hot caddy Batmobile. Well, no, his Batmobile's not a hot caddy. I choose to think of it as such now. You think it's a stolen Cadillac? No, it's hot. And maybe it's got some Cadillac components. Okay. Not hot stolen. So, stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. True imprisonment lies in the heart and soul. So amuses the Batman. That's what you're talking about? Right. It's pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to lock people up physically. You just gotta, like, really fuck with them. (laughs) (laughs) Make them scared to go outside and shit. (laughs) So, okay. That's how you're... That's your reading of that. Okay. That's, uh... That's interesting. Make them feel like they're always watched, always observed. You know? They're gonna get caught no matter what. So you're... So you're saying he's just like, Oh, cool, I can do this shit can do whatever I want. I'm the fucking Batman. Yeah, fair enough. Gonna go into this jail and fucking kick this guy's butt? Wait, he doesn't kick a guy's butt in the jail. 
He doesn't, but he could have. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I enjoy that musing as well. I really liked Batman. And, and like I said, I think he's trying to impress the kids with this. And he's like, I became aware of them when I hitched a ride on a hot caddy stolen by one fast Eddie Blaine as it rolled into an illegal chop shop. Mm. I'm like, Batman doesn't talk like that. Fast Eddie was really earned his name. Yeah, he, he's a he's a fast runner. Yep. That's nice. There was also a piece. I, I think that is my favorite. But th- there was also a bit where uh, Robin says something about how, like, Tiger Turk is evading him. And he's like, he's one artful dodger. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, I get it. Because he's with a group of runaways that are pickpockets. Oh. And he's weaving between things. Mm. Nice literary reference, Robin. Mm. Bet that was lost on Speedy. But pretty good. Highly likely. Uh, what was your favorite panel? Man, also uh, a lot going on in this one. There were some really nice ones. I really like Jim Aparo's art. I don't think it's as good at this point as it was the issue that we did that was like from like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's very solid art, and the action scenes specifically flow really nicely. The one exception to that, I would say, is the cover. I think it's a really ham-fisted cover that seems like kind of a rush job. But the art inside is, I think, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of which, two of my nominations are action scenes. I think mine both are, too. It's not quite a favorite, but I do. it is adjacent to my favorite, maybe. And it is, there is a pretty sweet dick punch in this uh, <laughs> issue, which is accompanied by maybe my favorite sound effect that punching someone in the dick could make, which is, it's Tiger Turk. Delivering a dick punch to Robin, and the noise it makes is chud. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what is he like wearing a steel cup? I maybe. I bet Robin wears a steel cup. Maybe it just makes a noise similar to the noise that a chud would make. Wait, what? I don't even remember. Like I was a kid when I saw it. They're just like. I don't remember either, probably. I think that's what they do. <laughs> that's the noise I would ma- I would maybe make if someone punched me in the dick. Like, oh. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite panels is actually the one that directly precedes that. That is, I think, my favorite as well. Mm. Uh, the it, it is Tiger Turk delivering what looks like a falling elbow drop mm-hmm. onto Robin, and it's really nicely done. It's this whole fight sequence, I think, is really well done. Because then Robin mounts a comeback, and there's a panel of that where he does like a leg takedown that's actually really nicely drawn. And that is my other favorite. Yeah, panel. It's, it's a good one. However, what is disturbing about this one? Yes, is Robin wearing any undies? And if so, are they disturbingly g-string like? I think he canonically is wearing a Speedo at this point. <laughs> well, look at the way that it is drawn. That's, there's the... Oh. Is that just like his thighs squishing together? Or is that supposed to be his butt? Because <sighs> it's kind of drawn like his butt. Yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I I think Robin is Lindsay Lohanning us <laughs> in that picture. He is, uh, he is, he is flashing us his, his business. He really should be wearing some, uh, some green chainmail underpants mm-hmm. and 
yeah, he's got nothing on under those shorts. Yep, at first and, I... and it's not even just like short shorts. It's, uh, what is that, culottes? I, I <laughs> no, or is it just like a, it's, it's hard to a say. very short mini dress? Yeah, it's poorly drawn. So when It's I poorly just... colored, I would say. Uh, I, uh... I think that's the issue, because I think it's a really nicely illustrated. It's very dramatic, too, because in the panel before that, the guy's about to pummel him all the way unconscious, we think. Uh-huh. Whilst saying, and you're dog meat. What do you think he meant by that? Do you think he meant, like, your dog meat as in you are, like, the kind of meat that one would feed to a dog? Yes. Okay, rather than you are meat that is made out of dog. Yeah. Okay. Because I mentioned that Skate Man was one of my other favorite comics. There's a panel on that. Dog meat panel. That's not dog meat. That's pig meat. Pig meat. Oh, that's right. And it is a close-up of a, I believe nine or ten year old boy named Paco uh, who is saying what the shit do you care pig meat <laughs> and uh, it's pretty awesome mm-hmm. swearing was new in the, late, in the late 70s early 80s and people didn't know how it was done yet yeah just putting random words together that don't always go together in that way do you remember when was it Berkeley or Austin that got in trouble for <laughs> yeah <laughs> this food tastes like fuck no God, who was was that? Corey's, was that yeah. was that them or was that somebody else? That was one of them because you oh. had to go to talk to the principal. What one of Corey's stepkids got in trouble for in the cafeteria? If you guys are listening, write in and let us know yeah. which, which one of you this was <laughs> for for loudly proclaiming in the school cafeteria. This food tastes like fuck, oh, and you had to go and uh, talk to the. I don't remember this. I remember it because I thought it was hilarious. And I also remember thinking like, okay, wait a minute. Are they getting in trouble for swearing poorly (laughs) or for swearing? And I think the real issue here is why are they trying to feed your kids fuck? Uh, PPS, man. That is messed up. Mm. So who's your favorite Titan this issue? Oh, man. Well, I guess I can't choose Batman. So he's not a teen Titan um, and he's already noted that he cannot pull that off. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Fair. Uh, Wonder Girl. Why Wonder Girl? I think that she embraced the going undercover thing pretty good. And Do you think she got so deep undercover she maybe forgot maybe, who she really maybe was? Maybe a little bit. Like she, like when was she was like, beating up Batman? Yeah, she seemed pretty into it and that was like some deep cover yeah. stuff. And, uh, yeah, I think the she... outfit was cool. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. the was hands it? off, I'm mine. That's a really good t shirt. Like those 70s jeans and the bony tail. Like it was just, it was, it was a good deal. Yeah, no, she, I, I think she did an excellent job. She moved the mission forward as needed. Right. You know. Really, they, they, they all did a pretty good job. Speedy didn't do a hell of a lot. I think he tripped a guy who was chasing Kid Flash with an arrow. Trip arrow. So he's out of the running, but Robin did some nice, he, he did that leg sweep, uh, but he's disqualified for, uh, really need to put some pants on there. I agree, Wonder Girl did a really good job, but I really like how Kid Flash ran ahead, checked that the gun was loaded with blanks, reloaded the gun, and then went back and stood in front of the bullets. Mm-hmm. Although, he probably could have said, since he had time to say to Donna, like, no, just stand your ground, it's cool. He could have also just said, it's cool, they're blanks. That's true. He could have saved her a lot of yeah. emotional distress. But he doesn't want to ruin a good prank. 
And that's a pretty good prank. Oh, man. Like, he knows they're the bad guys, but he's like, yeah, you guys got me. Is That troubled me, though, because is Wonder Girl impervious to bullets? I don't think she's impervious. I think she could block them with her bracelets. Yeah, so I wasn't super worried about her, but... but like he could just—he's so shot. fast. He could move around. He just, yeah, he could vibrate so through really the bullets. They're gonna fine. be fine. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. One so, for Wonder Girl. One for KF. Yeah. All right. So, what do you think Aqualad's up to? It's a bit of a stretch, but no. But yes. Hear me out. So he doesn't show up at all in this issue, which means he's ostensibly pretty far away. Yes. And although he is an Atlantean and like the ocean is is his thing. He is interested in the welfare of aquatic animals. Of course. Including the second largest lake in the world, which is Lake Victoria. Oh, yeah? Uh Uh-huh. Bordered bordered by uh, several African countries, one of which is Uganda. Yes. Okay. Which is where he happens to find himself. Are you saying that he was responsible for the downfall of Idi Amin? Not directly, <laughs> but it's related. So, a little known fact that among all the other horrible atrocities and things that Idi Amin is responsible for, and, you know, should be demonized for, yes, is also the fact that the Nile perch, which is a terribly invasive fish species, yes, which was brought in by the Brits, yes, who supported him at the beginning, oh, is a big part of... Perhaps where he was making some of his money to stay in power. Now, these fish... He was using aquatic malfeasance? Yes. And these Okay. I knew he was a horribly oppressive strongman. I knew he was a cannibal. Mm -hmm. But I had no idea he was capable of that kind of dastardly deed. Yeah, did you know that these fish can get up to 529 pounds? Well, of course I did. Okay, well, it's a big fish. Anyway, so Aqualad understandably has a dilemma. What's like, his dilemma? Well, like, all fish are God's creatures, but these giant fish are horrible. So what do I do? What did he do? Well, that's the question. Nobody really knows. But in the end, Idi Amin was deposed. And I can only imagine that Aqualad's presence there, trying to get rid of the Nile perch, had something to do with it. Fair enough. I'm going to quote a little movie called Three the Hard Way and say... You're a little light on the details there, but... Yeah, I ran out of time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I had something, but then... Oh, no, that's, I... not, that's not bad. That's not bad. It's wrong, but it's not bad. You're saying he was somewhere else doing some other thing? It turns out Aqualad was pretty nearby at this time. And unfortunately, what he was up to was being duped by the FCC. Oh, shit. He was helping out with the bust-up of pirate radio station Mm. WFAT. Mm. See, the FCC contacted Aqualad, and they said, Now, we think you can use your telepathic abilities, because they they, they do that thing. And he can pick up on radio signals with that. Okay. And so the FCC approaches him, and it says, We're having a real problem in this area with pirate radio. And Aqualad said, you had me at pirate. What do I have to do to take down these swashbuckling assholes? Because he has a long history of combating pirates. Oh, they just let him. And they just, they sure didn't correct him. And so 
he told them he helped them locate where the pirate radio station WFAT in New York was being broadcast out of, and he led to the dissolution and the bust of the two individuals who were running that station. I bet he doesn't feel great about that. He really doesn't, with the possible exception of... Wait, did they just play the doors all the time? <laughs> no, because then I would feel great about that. Okay. They mostly did talk. Yeah, I was about to say, with the possible exception of his, his, his role in the death of Jim Morrison. Oh, and that time when he was brainwashed by the evil Scottish ghost into uh, killing that dude by calling for the underwater DDT. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was dark. I guess he's got some stuff under his uh, in his past he's not that proud of. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely a monster hit. Maybe he had time after that to go and uh, depose the fish that... Ediamine's power Ed- source. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, is that where Ediamine got his power from? Well, maybe. Yeah. Prove me wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying... <laughs> Stranger Things. Fair enough. Mm. Well, we were going to do a best of the series because this, with this, the end of this, this is the end of the Teen Titans run. Ooh. Yeah. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, We will be back next week. We were going to try to do a double long episode where we did the Titans E Awards. Mm. That's not their final name, necessarily. Titans E. Yeah. Sounds like it's a little bit Titan. And a little bit rock and roll. Mm. But we're instead going to break it up into two separate episodes. So next week, we will be back with the Titans Awards. <laughs> uh, where we'll talk about the highlights and lowlights of the series that we've just covered. And then we're going to take a little bit of time off. In that time, we will be putting out a Patreon episode or two that will feature the... Uh, a Wonder Girl backup story in which she searches for Mr. Jupiter. So if you'd like to listen to that episode, then you'll have to give us some money on Patreon. But if you are uh, donating on Patreon, we will make that episode available to you. But we will be back next week with the Titan Sea Awards, and then we're going to take a little bit of time off, not too much, but probably a couple of weeks, and we will be back, and we are going to start covering the new Teen Titans run after that. We're going to be doing that on a bi-weekly basis and alternating it with mm, something else. It'll be a surprise to you because it's going to be a surprise to us, but we welcome your suggestions. And yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening. We've gotten some great feedback and really the podcast has already grown so far beyond what I thought it would. We literally have thousands of listeners which is fucking crazy to me yep i did not expect that and i'm so grateful and i'm so grateful for your interest in the show and thank you i always love hearing from you uh we you can send us an email at ttwasteland at gmail.com uh we are up on twitter it's ttwasteland underscore and there's facebook and itunes reviews are great uh but uh, we love hearing from you in any 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 way that you feel like getting in touch with us. Uh, and thank, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And we'll put the cherry on this sweet, sweet Titan Sunday <laughs> next week. Uh, but thanks. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Goodbye. Enjoy. That's it. And they know.
Superman in the Ionic Storm. An ion cloud filled with miniature meteors, one of the most dangerous natural forces in this galaxy. Great Krypton, a party of picnickers on planetoid RM, right in the path of the cloud. An ion cloud approaching fast. Look, Superman's racing with it. The meteors are just bouncing off Superman's chest like little bullets. The ion cloud's disintegrating. You saved the Superman just in time for a super dessert. Apple and cherry hostess fruit pies. Stay and share the light, tender crust and real <laughs> fruit filling. I'm already overdue back on Earth. Have some for me. Being rescued by Superman is almost as much fun as hostess fruit pies. <laughs> you get a big delight in every bite of hostess fruit pies. Uh, man, I thought I was giving you the tough job when I told you to be Superman. I know, I was like, score, man. I'll read that. I love that those kids are just having a fucking picnic on an asteroid. Yeah, right in the path of an ion cloud. Yeah, they had space suits on, they'll probably be fine. Yeah. It's a hell of a fucking field trip. Yeah, balls to the wind. Wait, what? Balls, balls to the wind, that's their philosophy. Like, Is that a philosophy? What does that even mean? I don't know. It just sounds like something that those crazy kids would say. Fair enough. Uh, we're going to be doing that on a bi-weekly... We're going to be... We're going to be... <laughs> you got this. I have it fine. You've interrupted me by laughing the last three times. Sorry. We're going... <laughs>